Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Asumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is entitled Acts 5, True Worship. Our text to begin is Acts chapter 5 from verse 1 to verse 11. It says this, But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Acts 5 opens with this fearful story about Ananias and Sapphira. Together, this husband and wife come up with a plan to pretend to be as generous as they had seen others being with their money, but to actually preserve a portion of their revenue for themselves. Obviously, God knew what they had done, and the Holy Spirit passed immediate judgment on them. He struck them both dead. One issue this story raises is the question of whether Ananias and Sapphira were truly saved. There are Bible teachers I respect greatly who adamantly declare that they were not saved. A verse that might somewhat support this view is that the text continues like this in verse 13 of chapter 5, where it says, None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now, that could be describing fear of persecution from the Jews as well, since they had forbidden preaching in the name of Jesus. But perhaps it's showing that non-believers feared to be part of an assembly where God had struck people dead. I myself, on the other hand, think the information that we're given in the text and the context leading us to this tends to support the view that Ananias and Sapphira were believers who God passed judgment on. They were obviously in the congregation's fellowship, and thus they're a part of the group already described in Acts as those who had believed. Remember, we have numbers mentioned earlier where people believe. There's a report of 5,000 who believed, 3,000 who believed. And then also we read the passage about how the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. So the context lends to support the idea that, that they were saved. Secondly, or along with that, the Bible tells us that God disciplines his children, but often allows false believers to go on unpunished. In Hebrews 12, from verse 5 to 8, we read, 
And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So that, that passage supports the idea that if you are judged, that actually demonstrates that you belong to God because God's faithful to correct his children. However, it is also clearly impossible to me from the text to determine with certainty whether this husband and wife were born again or not. Can believers commit sin like these two did? Well, what were they motivated by? Remember the conclusion of Acts 4 described all these other believers selling lands and houses and giving it to the apostles to distribute to those who had need. Humanly, such actions produce what we call peer pressure. You also want to appear spiritual like everyone else. You don't want to seem like you're stingy. Do some people pretend to have the gift of tongues in order to appear spiritual? Definitely. So, we know we as believers can still behave foolishly and sin even though we are saved. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to appear generous, though they were clearly stingy. They didn't have the heart to give all of what they had sold. Notice, it was not their unwillingness to give all that God condemned. It was their attempt to lie to God about what they did give. Peter remarks that God made no claim on their land, nor the money they earned when they sold it. They could have done whatever they wanted with it. But it was the fact that they lied, pretending to give all, that brought God's judgment. There's an important point I want us to recognize from this story, which is that God is very jealous and concerned about our worship. There's a parallel story about the foundation of the tabernacle worship in Israel that connects with this story in the foundation of the early church. Something happened to two of Aaron's sons who were not careful to follow God's instructions. In Leviticus chapter 10 from verse 1 to 5, we read this. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said, Among those who are near me I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near. Carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. Notice the similarities in the immediate judgment on these men and them being carried out of God's presence, just like Ananias and Sapphira had happened to them. There is great speculation as to what exactly Nadab and Abihu did that incurred God's wrath. But the meaning is quite clear in the context. They didn't follow God's instructions in the time of worship. 
God had told them to be very careful to obey what God had told them to do. There was a certain way they were to 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 offer the incense, certain way they were supposed to to um, use the utensils, certain way they were supposed to manage the fire. Yet it seems in the moment of worship, they had been carried away with zeal and offered incense to God, but it was contrary to God's instructions. So what was the result of this act of worship? Fire came from God's altar and consumed them. God tells us in his word that he desires obedience, not sacrifice. When we disregard the commands of God, it brings dishonor on him. For you who are parents, have you ever told your child something in public, and instead of listening to you, they just go on their stubborn way, and everyone else sees that your child is not listening to you? Isn't it a shame to you to be disrespected publicly like that by your child? Well, many people do the same thing to God by offering improper worship. Improper worship is any worship done contrarily to God's instruction. And then many people cover up their disobedience, claiming it was the Holy Spirit who made them do it. In fact, there is great abuse of the Holy Spirit's name in many churches. Jesus told us God only accepts this type of worship. In John 4, verse 24, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I'll give you an example of how we can deceive ourselves. Sometimes we get angry with someone and we say our anger against them was righteous because that person had behaved poorly or treated us badly. Yet, the Bible tells us this about our anger that comes from us. In James chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So can I get angry with my brother and defend my anger, saying, oh, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that made me angry with you? No, the Bible tells me that my anger comes from sin in my heart, and I need to deal with that sin. Brethren, let's, let's not be immature as we think about these things. God exhorts us this way in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. If we as parents want our children to obey our instructions, why do we think God doesn't care that we are careful to obey His? Why do we think He overlooks us making our forms of doing things when we would not appreciate our children doing that with us? God says this about the people who please Him in Scripture. In John 14 verse 15, He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In Isaiah 66, verse 2, he says, All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the person to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. But to those people who do not fear disobeying and ignoring God's commands, he says this in Proverbs 28, verse 9, If any person turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Some people tell themselves, oh, I can worship God under this tree or on this rock, and he doesn't care, meaning that they can worship God in their own way, and God will accept it, that he, he doesn't mind. That's not at all what we see in Scripture. Rather, we find this about God throughout the Bible, 
but I'll illustrate it with in James chapter 4, verse 5, where it says, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. God is very concerned that those who claim his name follow him truly, not in pretense or hypocrisy. So lastly, let's turn the focus back on we as individuals. Am I very mindful to carefully obey God in all things? Are there some disobediences in my life? I tell myself God doesn't mind because of the other ways I do obey him? Is God looking to me favorably because he sees I tremble lest I ever violate his word? God bless you all.